0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Opera After Dark.
1: You did. Where the hell are you? Come into this room. Come into the next room. No,
0: he doesn't want oh, to come into right, room. Oh, you're right, you're right.
1: Don't go in that room, which I know because I say that, now you're going to go in that room, You did.
0: Alright, so in case you have not figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> Which how could you? How could you? Our topic for today is none other than Bluebeard's Castle by
2: Bella Bartok. I am jazzed. Bart-talk. I really like this opera, so I love Let's
1: this do opera. It. Just in case anybody's wondering. Yes. Here on Opera After Dark, we talk about some real and ridiculous stories across music history. Yes. And mm-hmm. sometimes that includes uh, crazy composers, mm-hmm. which most of them tend to be, mm-hmm. and then also their ridiculous operas and opera plots.
0: We don't always talk about operas, but heavy
2: on the opera talk.
1: Yeah, we're, we're opera people.
2: Mm-hmm. We're opera folks. Um, Bella Bartok was actually not that scandalous. Um, there are two things that he did.
1: Was there adultery?
2: There was an adultery, but oh, he, when he married for a second time, he did happen to marry a woman who was 16. So I wouldn't call a woman. I would call oh, her a child. How old was he? I think she was um, 20 years his junior, I believe. She was 20 years his junior.
0: Her Talk
1: about in the cradle.
2: Yeah, Dita.
3: Has,
0: oh, was Dita first or Marta? First? Uh, Marta <laughs> was second.
2: Oh, my God.
1: I a guess little is
2: what I need. Uh, another fun fact about him is that he wrote a ballet called The Miraculous Mandarin um, in uh, around 1924, and it was so scandalous that it caused a riot, and it was um, banned by the mayor, and this huge scandal ensued. Um, I feel like the only thing that we've ever heard having this kind of reaction is the Rite of Spring. And I don't think people talk about the Miraculous Mandarin, but apparently it was so dirty and so sexual that people
3: really whoa
2: there
1: You would think that people would just like certain people would just be into it, but I guess not the people that were there.
2: Not the people mm-hmm. in power, I guess. <laughs> there was there was a riot. No, yeah.
1: we must repress. These what do things. we know? The date mm-hmm. of
2: the Miraculous Mandarin? I think it was
0: 1924. Okay, so this Bluebeard's Castle happens before mm-hmm. that. And uh-huh. so it makes its premiere in 1911. I
1: <laughs> mean it gets weirder no. than Bluebeard's Castle?
0: Yes. So he starts working on Bluebeard's Castle in 1911. It does not premiere until 1918. Um, uh-huh. But his first wife was Marta. Oh, so Marta was the first wife. And he divorced her. And then very quickly remarried to a girl named Dita. And Dita. Was Dita 16? Was 20 years younger than him at this time. So she must have been the 16-year-old. Yeah.
1: Dita. Yeah. Well, And she was his piano
2: student, right? I believe
0: so.
1: Always the (laughs) student. We need to keep a a tally. Yes. We need to keep a tally Uh, of how many times.
2: Beethoven. Bartok.
1: You want to find a wife? You want to find a wife, you start teaching piano lessons. Okay. I guess so. Okay. It's I the guess so, fail safe, you know.
2: Heads up everyone.
1: Man. Yeah. You know what always catches me, so or entertains me, I guess, is what? that so Bluebeard's Castle premiered in 1918. And mm-hmm. we think of it as being like super 20th century, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely a departure from the romantic era. Yeah. However, that's the same year that Il Trittico, uh, Puccini. I know,
2: premiered. isn't that crazy?
1: Same time. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, to me, it's so strange that those two styles were happening at the same time. Even though I feel like in people's minds, if they don't look at the dates, they assume that Puccini was long before.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And wasn't Yenifa by Janacek around that time too? Mm-hmm. Even before. So, yeah, he was, was a little like bit earlier. Over
1: ten years before that. Yeah. 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 That's nuts. Yeah. It's interesting, though, that then people still just loved Puccini. Like, he was probably the most popular of all of these guys. Or Actually, definitely yeah. most popular. hmm Even though he was old school. Yeah. Just something to point out. Indeed. <laughs> no, Proceed. I-, I have
2: nothing else to add. I Proceed. think that's a valid point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk about the plot of Bluebeard's Castle, which is the piece of his that I know the best, so I consider it to yes. be the most famous. Whether that's true or not, is
1: is there anything else about Bartok that's strange? Anything?
2: Well, the really weird
0: thing is that, when, like, when you hear the plot of Bluebeard's Castle, you'll understand why it's a little bit bizarre that he dedicated this work to his wife, his first wife, Mar- oh, who yeah.
1: he divorced, oh. who he then
2: divorced shortly after that. So maybe it's not that weird because obviously the relationship was not great. If Did marriage he ended,
1: dedicate before or after they got divorced.
2: Before, like,
0: how
1: scared would you be? I mean,
3: period, period, if somebody, yeah, if somebody dedicated
1: dedicated this to you, any way you look at it, it's creepy, right? But if it was right after that person, like, and you got divorced, oh man, you would be certain that that person wanted you dead,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I don't actually think that that's what the opera's about, even though it's framed as like the serial killer opera. I think the whole opera, personally. Is Bartok trying to say women just don't understand, or like a woman could never understand him, or that women and men fundamentally
2: don't understand each other emotionally? Or
0: that's well,
1: a funny way of telling it. We'll
2: yeah, we'll talk about this yeah. in a little bit. Let's talk about the plot before okay. we get into interpretations, because I think it's about something different.
0: Okay, Ooh. yeah.
2: Um, there, so, there's so many layers in this yeah.
0: opera, which is what makes it fantastic. Right. Can we get but a,
1: a nutshell?
0: Yes, Ooh. the plot in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> ah, yes. uh, it is loosely based on the fairy tale. Yeah. First published, or an early version of it published by Charles right. Perrault. Duke Bluebeard's Castle. Yep. Yeah. And so there are many different tellings of this in the fairy tale versions, and, you know, the story has like deviations depending on what version you are looking at or reading, but this is how it goes in the opera. Judith has run away from her family and follows Duke Bluebeard to his castle. Bluebeard is rumored to have murdered his former wives, but nobody really knows for sure. And Bluebeard <laughs> says that uh, basically he gives Judith a chance to leave, or you did.
1: You did. You did. I need to be making it much slower. You did. It's always very go. grumbly.
0: It is very grumbly. So he basically says to you did that, <laughs> <Judith. laughs> that if she wants to stay with him, marry him, be his wife, that's fine. But she basically cannot leave once she does. And so he ah. gives her one last chance to go back to her family. And she says, No, I want to stay with you. And so then he says, Well, then come into my castle. And he says to her, You are free to roam all over the castle. Do whatever you like. However, you will find seven locked doors. Do not open or attempt to open these seven doors. Mm-hmm.
1: Can we? So, just as a PSA, just generally, if somebody says, Hey, yeah, you can be my partner, but if you do, you're never allowed to leave the house, maybe <laughs> you should think twice about that. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if somebody says, Don't go in these seven doors, Maybe you should just steer clear of the seven doors. I'm overanalyzing. Continue.
0: We'll get to the analyzing. So then the whole opera is basically, one by one, Judith convinces Bluebeard to let her open each door. Mm -hmm. And then behind each door, she discovers a mixture of both horrible and wonderful things. And so then by the time she gets to the seventh door, behind the seventh door, she discovers his former wives. Now, whether or not the wives are alive or dead, corpses, skeletons, ghosts, spirits, it all depends on what version of the fairy tale you read. But in the opera, the wives are not dead, but not alive either. It's Mm -hmm. like they're trapped behind this this door, like in some kind of limbo. Yeah. And so... They
2: each represent something different, though.
0: Yes, they do. And... And the seven doors also all represent something different. So Do in they the correspond? opera
1: like is there a wife for each door? No, because no. there's
0: only three wives
2: behind. Oh. The women are introduced as the morning, the morning, afternoon, the afternoon and twilight. Oh. Twilight and then even,
0: and then Judith becomes like, evening, like night. evening or the night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, and then the seven doors that Judith opens Behind the first one, she finds Bluebeard's torture chamber. Behind the second one, she finds his armory. Behind the third one, she finds his treasury. Ugh. Behind the fourth one, she finds a garden. Behind the fifth That's one, nice. she finds like a view of all of his domains. Okay. Behind the sixth one, she finds a lake of tears. And then behind the seventh one, she finds the former wives.
1: And I like so, how in the middle there, it seems like things are going to be all right. Oh, well, like,
0: when you get to the fifth door, oh, my goodness, it's musically
2: amazing.
0: Is that
1: the garden or the the domain? No, that's
2: the domain. domain. We should talk about, like, musical structure for a second, right? Yes. So each door is a different chord structure, and the, the tonality of this piece is incredible. But it builds and it builds and it builds. And like Naomi said, when it gets to the fifth door, which is this is my kingdom, this is the only time that you hear this, like, huge crashing C major chord and it's like the most amazing uplifting and horrifying thing all at the same time Mm -hmm. and let's just listen to it because it is awesome it is so awesome this is the fifth door the fifth door
3: mm hey, hey. Kikna bol deis
0: Another interesting thing musically that pervades this entire opera is there is this reoccurring, like, leitmotif of sorts Mm -hmm. called the blood motif. And we heard it at the beginning of the episode. Elspeth played it on the piano. Yay. It is essentially just a minor second. Hmm. And behind each door, regardless of whether she initially encounters something horrifying like the torture chamber, or something beautiful like the garden, she always ends up finding blood. So when she's leaning down to look at the flowers, she finds blood. When she's touching the gold in the treasury, she finds it all stained with blood. And so, whenever she mentions or finds blood behind any door, then you hear this blood motif. And then, can I
1: get an interpretation? Just I know we're gonna do a full interpretation. Is that part of your full interpretation? Okay, yeah. all right. So,
0: some people think. Or some people have asked, is the blood actually real? Mm-hmm. Or is it just that Judith is seeing what she suspects or wants to see? Because she has this, like, obsession with discovering the truth of Bluebeard's identity and the truth mm. of the murders and that sort of thing. And then other people talk about how, um, like, the blood is really there and she, like, sees the truth all around her but can't accept it. There's lots of different interpretations of it. Okay, And the whole time... That she's doing this, begging him door by door by door, you know, please, Bluebeard, I want to know you. And she's kind of like asking, telling him in very seductive ways, like, let me bring light into your castle. I want to know you. I want to know everything about you and this kind of thing. And he keeps saying to her, love me, Judith, and ask no questions. Just love me. Don't ask questions. Right. And so that's kind of the pervasive thing throughout the whole work. Mm -hmm. There's the minor second motif. There's lots of polytonality. Throughout the whole thing, so like more than one key signature happening at the same
2: time. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of stuff. A lot to digest.
2: Yes. So,
1: well, so talk what do about you think it's about?
2: Yeah. What do you think it's
0: about? Neil? dueling
1: interpretations?
0: I've thought about this <laughs> opera a lot mm-hmm. because well, we'll start with mine,
1: actually. Okay. Yeah. I, take, I take everything at face value. Right. 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 So, right. right. Uh,
2: It's about a woman that marries a serial killer. Yep,
1: comes to the serial killer's house. Okay, okay. And eventually she dies.
2: Great. Naomi?
1: She had it coming.
2: (laughs) She had it coming. All right,
1: so that's the the obvious, clearly not the actual, correct interpretation.
2: Well, I think correct is the wrong word. Uh, I think there's many uh, possibilities.
1: Most appropriate. It's just a different
2: interpretation.
1: Fair enough. Naomi, sorry to interrupt.
0: I think that so I think one way of looking at it is that Bartok was trying to make a statement about like what a true love connection actually is. And so there's this one scene in it before the seventh door where Judith is saying like, open the door, Bluebeard, let me know all of you. And he says, love me, Judith, ask no questions. And then At that point, he actually hands her the key and says, like, it's up to you. And so I think my personal opinion is that if Bluebeard handed her the key and Judith didn't open the door, I feel like that would be, like, the ultimate love and trust between two people. Like, a willingness to be vulnerable with the other person and then just your willingness to open up, but the other person not actually needing to go through and open the seventh door. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the fact that she doesn't do that...
1: She failed the she test. She fails
0: that test. So I think partly he's trying to talk about this just like love and trust in relationships mm-hmm. and how
2: like two people are just not meant to be because they don't have that connection. Yeah. I think to to piggyback on that, if we look at what was going on in his life at the time, that scene you were talking about is my absolute oh, it's so good. favorite in the opera, where she in a very seductive manner, keeps asking him, just tell me all your secrets, I just want to know you, and all of these things. And I think, based on what was going on in his life at that time, he was in a really terrible marriage, they were about to get divorced, I think that Yudit, for lack, like, I guess, Yudit mm-hmm. is um, very much painted as the actual villain of the piece, in mm-hmm. my opinion, and I've seen productions where that is a little more obvious, and mm. she's the one that is Pushing him and pushing him and mm-hmm. pushing him, and she is the sort of the villain of the piece until she's sort of, I guess, put out to pasture, which the other with the other wives, right? Um, whether that's she's divorced and they separate, and it's represented this way in the story with them sort of in this limbo mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. Because I feel this is all very disjointed. The women at the end all sort of represent different parts. Of bluebeard and Mm -hmm. I feel like without these women bluebeard doesn't really have any kind of personality right he's just sort of this entity so it's like he keeps trying and trying to figure out who he is and he does this through these different people and it never ends up working because you can't find that one person who will just you know trust him I guess Mm -hmm. but I love the interpretations where dude sort of ends up as the bad guy And I Rather than the victim.
0: And they're really, I have seen productions where they really do show how, like, her obsessive pushing of him, like, wears him down and wears him down and wears him down. And I also think that plays into the idea of, like, she only sees what she wants to see mm-hmm. going into it. So you can run with that interpretation as well, that she's already decided who Bluebeard is when she walks into that castle and she just becomes obsessed with this one idea of him and so that's why she finds blood behind every door. Mm-hmm. And it's like she can't see past this own idea of him that she's yeah. concocted in and her mind. I've seen
2: productions where the doors open and there might be like a change in the light, but there's nothing else going on. And all yeah. these things that she says that she sees are just
1: in her, right. in her mind. Ah. Yeah. And
2: there's also in the
0: original conception of it, there is... Bartok mapped out, like, a lighting plan where every door has a very specific color mm-hmm. associated with it. So a lot of productions pick up on those colors because metaphorical meaning with what she finds behind them. Huh. Um, there's also another really favorite part of the opera for me is there's this written prologue mm-hmm. in the score. And it's, like, a poem, like, a very much like a Shakespearean prologue to a play. And in the prologue, the the poet says... Uh, where is the stage outside us or within us? And I think most recent production at the Met, it was just the creepiest, most amazing thing because the way that they opened up this pro- the opera was they actually had a voice speak the prologue and it was like this really creepy Hungarian voice. Right. Was, <laughs> yes. It sounded like a like a Hungarian goblin like right. speaking to you, mm-hmm. but it was super effective. And when you know when you read the prologue and you read the The meaning of, and a lot of people talk about like, what does this mean? Because it's setting you up for basically questioning the whole thing. Like, what does this opera mean? Mm -hmm. And are we watching ourselves, basically? Mm. So it's really amazing. I think we should listen to the a bit of the Hungarian Goblin
3: Prologue. Okay. Régi reggel, haj, mit jelent, urak, asszonyi ságok? Én szólal az ének, ti néztek, én nézlek. Szemünk pillás függönye fent, hol a színpad? Kint te vagy bent, urak, asszonyi ságok? Keserves és boldog, nevezetes. Az kint haddal tele, de nem abba halunk bele. Urak, asszonyságok, nézzük egymást, nézzük, regélyenket regéjük, ki tudhatja honnan hozzuk, hallgatjuk és csodálkozzuk. Genesis. A a lánkék, kezdődjék a játék. Szemem pillás függönye fent, tapsoljatok majd, ha lement, urak, asszonyságok. Régi vár, régi már az meseki róla jár. Tíj!
2: So that's a bit of the prologue, and it's creepy, and it's amazing. Um, they <laughs> don't include awesome. it in all the in all productions no. that I've seen. Um, but I think another really
0: amazing thing about this work is that there are so many fantastic productions that have been done trying to mm-hmm. delve into the inner meaning of it. So
1: The next current production is done very well. Oh, it's, great. Like, it's amazing. It oh, reminds yeah, yeah. me yeah. of like, a very well-done movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Know, that,
1: really highlights some of these different aspects
0: but in that particular production they play with a lot of things that i think are a little bit different like mm-hmm. instead of having just one woman behind the set or three women behind the seventh door that judith is added to they have like many many women mm-hmm. and they do kind of paint him like a serial killer and they play with the idea of like when is she actually dead or is she dead right like, in this whole process, right? And yeah. um, so there's a scene where in the Lake of Tears it's suggested that maybe that's when he drowns her and then so that the seventh door is him, like, burying her mm-hmm. or Oh, yeah, and her. he does bury her. And he does I bury her, yeah. yeah. There's so much you can do with it.
1: Is the one glove thing, is that specific to the Met production?
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. The Michael Jackson glove. I don't yeah. know.
1: I I mean, the only people that wear just a single glove are Michael Jackson and serial killers. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just, you know, generalization.
2: I do think it's just an endlessly fascinating opera. It's one of the most psychologically complicated things that I've ever seen. And you can really go on for days discussing
0: what it might mean or different facets of it, which I think are so interesting.
1: Definitely. So I
2: hope we've sort of piqued your interest and you listen to it and you look into it a little bit more. It's, it's a fascinating piece of music.
1: And you said that it may not be the most well-known Bartok opera?
2: I this is the only is. opera that he wrote. Yeah. Oh, it's his only... Oh, but, but it might not, not be his most famous piece.
1: Ah. But this is
2: the only opera that he wrote.
1: What are some yeah. other famous pieces?
2: He, well, he
0: got really into Hungarian music Mm -hmm. and incorporating that into his works, and he was very good friends with Zoltan Kodály, and so... It's a lot of piano music. They have a lot of piano music, and they also have, he also has that orchestral suite for like orchestra and percussion. Yeah, there's a very
2: famous uh, two pianos, two percussion piece that he wrote, which sort of championed that that format that is used a lot. Right. I wouldn't call that famous, but... (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Should we listen to some of that?
2: Yeah, yeah, well, listen to that coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a
0: little bit more lighthearted than Bluebeard. (laughs) Right. So
1: people can actually sleep tonight, you know? Exactly.
0: But I mean, if Bluebeard's Castle ever comes to an opera company near you, check it out. Go and see it. I can't recommend it enough.
1: Well, it's also a one act.
0: It's a yes, it's not (laughs) very long. So it's a
1: minimal what? It's about an hour long.
0: It's usually done on a double bill with some other opera. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
1: The Met did it with Yolanta.
0: Yeah. But it's also been done with Erwartung. Um, sometimes by Schoenberg. Right. Mm-hmm. And I could maybe Electra, but that might be a bit of a long night. That would be, but that a would be night, yeah. uh,
1: a, an exhausting night. Yeah.
2: Do
0: you know when it premiered, if it was paired with anything? I don't know what it was paired with or if it was paired on its premiere, but it would be I know that when it premiered at the met it was not paired with iolanta it was paired with paired with something else oh, okay um i'm pretty sure Ervartung is like the thing yeah. that it's usually done with because Ervartung is all about a woman who gets lost in the woods and then experiences like it's trying to express a whole bunch of emotions that happened to her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But she might be dead. and She might be dead. She might not be. She thinks she murdered her husband, but she's not sure. So it's another like psychologically charged, wow. very symbolic work.
1: Okay. Yeah. Intense right. nights and, at the opera.
0: And on that note. Yes. Yeah, on that <laughs> note. Uh-huh. Silly I'm, things. I am Elspeth. I am Naomi.
1: And I'm Kyle. Thanks for listening to Opera After Dark.
2: Bye. Thank you.
1: <laughs> where the hell are you, you Deet? <laughs> Coming to my house, you Deet?
3: <laughs>
0: are you ready?